Welcome to Rock Harbor Church's channel on Sermon Audio. We hope this message is a blessing to you and helps you in your daily walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So please, settle in and grab your Bibles. Here's Pastor Brandon with this message. It's amazing to watch that while the world's gearing up for a war, uh, we're more worried about teaching uh, people in the Air Force and our Navy uh, about how to do drag queen contests and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, we're totally unprepared for what's happening. And Russia's challenging us. China is challenging us. Nancy Pelosi does the most stupid, asinine thing I could possibly imagine by inciting China, flying to Taiwan, which, for what reason, I have no idea, and no one does know. Um, I mean, that's the idiocy of the lunatics and the psychopaths that are running our country, and our military is not prepared. Um, you can see what they're doing to our military. So um, very confusing times, very, very troubling times. But um, we're going to now go back into our, um, our series in Daniel, where we left off in Daniel chapter 7. And for the amount of time we have today, because we're going to do the Lord's Supper today, I'm going to focus then on uh, the part that, that the angel explains to Daniel what the beast empire is, and he interprets it. Now, here's the the great thing about this. The interpretation provided by the angel will help you and I identify what's going on in the world today. And so there's a linkage. This is not some dusty old book that has no relevance to today. It actually will apply to here and now. And so a lot of your application today will be on the geopolitical level. And the importance of knowing this is because as good prophecy students, you need to know this in order to effectively evangelize and tell people what's really going on in the world. Because it's a massive confusion. People don't understand what's going on and why this is happening. So you'll take it from on a geopolitical application, then we'll give you a personal application at the end. But that being said, we're going to break the last part of Daniel 7 chapter in three parts, basically. We're going to look at the beast empire today. Uh, we'll look at the Antichrist, and then we'll look at the ten kings. And we'll see the order uh, in the next few weeks of how he explains it, and I'll try to bridge it to how that's currently being set up today. So everything you're going to read today it's happening right now. The setup is happening right now. So everything, everything matters. Um, guys, my thing's not on the screen for some reason. Let me get this set up for, why is it? Um, why is my thing over there? How's that happening? My information's on this screen, but not on my home screen. How does that happen? How did that happen? It's funny, people were writing in or texting me last night saying, I'm praying for you tomorrow for some reason for your message. <laughs> no joke, man. I had people saying that to me. Um, does anyone know computers? How do I work from that screen to over here? Because I can't control this screen, but I'm controlling this screen. I'm having a split screen problem, guys. And I don't know why I di it did that. Shift alternate. Hold on, guys. 
Okay, I think I got it now. Let's see if this works. Okay, here we go. Finally, amen, we got it. I think there's reason when people text me, say, hey, uh, the Lord put it on my heart to pray for your message tomorrow. I'm like, oh man, what's gonna happen, dude? Um, so we've got our first taste of why, what's happening. Anyway, we'll be doing these selective verses. Anyway, here's the, the, the vision has been presented to Daniel, but he doesn't understand it. So now the angel's gonna come and explain it to them. Okay? I came near to the one of those who stood by and asked him the truth of all of this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Those great beasts which are four are four kings which will arise out of the earth. Now, we studied this before. I know it's been a while since we got back into Daniel. But remember, Daniel had a vision of four empires rising up out of the sea, the Mediterranean, basically, uh, representing the, the peoples of the earth, and that there would be four kingdoms that would lord it over Israel all the way from not only the first coming but to the second coming. And we studied each one being Babylon, Medo-Persia's the bear with Xerxes, and then you had uh, Alexander the Great with the leopard with four wings because it, uh, it went into his four generals after he died. And then the last one is the beast, we call it, because it's a conglomeration of other animals. And the fourth beast we identified as Rome. So Rome is still with us. So um, Daniel asked them, then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others. And it's different, not only in its appearance, because he doesn't know what animal to name it, but it's different because it has a conglomeration of all the previous animals. And there's other aspects to it that other empires didn't have. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today as the angel interprets that. So just to refresh our minds... According to Daniel 2, Daniel 7, and Revelation 13, when you put them all together, what you end up having is a five phase of the Roman Empire. Now, m- most people, they, they, they look at this prophecy and they say, well, that happened in Jesus' day, and now Rome is gone now. And they're not interpreting it correctly because when you put all passages together, you end up with five phases of the leg portion of the metallic man. Now, the first phase, just to remind you, the first phase was uh, the United States, and this was in Jesus' day from 63 B.C. to A.D. 30, uh, 364. And obviously, in Jesus' day, you saw the Roman garrisons, you saw Pontius Pilate. That's when Rome was in its United States. So in the metallic man, it would occupy the lower part of the pelvis of the metallic man, Okay. That's the first phase. Rome controlled all the Mediterranean, basically, as you can see from the maps. It was a, a, a expansive, but it continued to expand even more than this. So then it moves by AD 364 into a two-division stage, which is represented by the legs of the metallic man. And it has been there ever since. We're in the two-legged phase, which is a second phase of this. And obviously, Rome was divided between the east and the west. Rome in Italy became the capital there, and then Constantinople became the capital, capital in the eastern leg. But what happened is, um, in AD 476, Rome fell, but the power structure, the, the uh, scholars, the uh, 
uh, rulers and politicians moved north. And so Rome moved from Italy and it moved into today what we called France under Charlemagne. And Charlemagne under uh, 8800 called it the Ro- Holy Roman Frankish Nation. Then after that, in AD 962, Otto I of Germany takes over and it shifts towards Germany, the power structure. He called it the Holy Roman Empire of the German nation, okay? So it shifted in that area. On the eastern side, in AD 1453, as I I recall, is the uh, Turkish invasion happened, pushed all the scholars and rulers up into Russia, if you recall. And that's where they have stayed until today. So the two large circles that I pointed out on this map has been like this since World War I. So you see the western leg centered in Western Europe, and you see the eastern leg centered smack dab in the area we call Russia. That's why today, watching Putin, watching Russia's moves is so important because he represents the eastern leg. And the western nations, Europe, uh, in the Western Europe, represent that Western lake. That's what the conflict is about in Ukraine, believe it or not. It's a, a, a fight between the Western and Eastern leg. The Western leg represents globalism. Putin represents nationalism to where he wants to dominate the whole world through his nationalism, through a revived Russia, okay? But he won't win. Because we already know what's predicted. The third phase of the Roman Empire goes into globalism. So we see that the Western leg will win in this battle. And probably, perhaps, Putin is taken out because of the Gog and Magog invasion. But anyway, that's just review. Here's, though, what he says about this thing. As we get ready to go to the third phase, he says it's exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze. This is different than any other beast, okay? Which devoured broken pieces and trampled the residue with its feet. Now, I want to break this out to show you how this relates to current events, how it's relating to certain things. So we're going to take each piece of this description and apply it. So, He says the first thing is that this beast empire, this Roman empire that's going to morph into a global government is exceedingly dreadful. And what that means is this, that it uses fear of consequences to get submission from countries. The fear of the consequences coming from the beast puts countries in submission Now, does that ring a bell? Countries right now, our country right now is operating under the fear of not complying with the World Health Organization and the World Economic Forum and their standards. The World Economic Forum, the internationalists, the globalists all want certain things from countries and they want us to go global. They don't want nationalism. And Joe Biden is bowing a knee to the globalists. So what is happening in America is this fear. That's why Biden and any administration, probably from this point on, 
is so fearful of them, they will sell out America to the globalists, which is exactly what they're doing. They have no problem with this. So what happens is this beast system uses fear as a tactic. Now notice this. Some of the fear is made up. It doesn't exist. It's a hoax. It's not real. Like global warming is a hoax. It's not real. The, the, the virus was a real virus, but it wasn't a pandemic. It wasn't that it was going to kill you know, billions and billions of people. The monkeypox is a real thing, but it's made up in the fact that it can affect you because here's the thing. It only affects homosexuals who are having homosexual sex. There's like 98%, 99%. It's, it's made up to scare you, to get compliance. The world is going to burn up. So we, the, the lie is get off fossil fuels and onto electric cars, right? That's made up. It's not real, but people are afraid. So they manufacture crises. That's a sign of the Roman Empire. And, and, what, and the consequences are fake too, but you have Greta Thunberg, we're all gonna die in 12 years, or uh, Sandy uh, Cortez. You know who Sandy Cortez is? Okay, it's AOC, her real name's Sandy Cortez. So you have Sandy Cortez saying we're gonna die in what, t- 12 or 10 years? right? And people believe that. But it's all these global crises, and and so the consequences are a hoax too. We're all going to die. The polar bears are going to die. And they get submission by using the tactic of fear. It's exceedingly dreadful. That's what Daniel's saying. Listen to Yuval Harari. This guy is evil, but I will say this. What he says in this clip is true. I want you to listen to he knows the tactic because he's the the chief advisor to Klaus Schwab. Listen to what he says. Fascism and dictatorships might come back, but they will come back in a new form. A form which is much more relevant to the new technological realities of the 21st century. In ancient times, land was the most important asset in the world. Politics, therefore, was the struggle to control land. And dictatorship meant that all the land was owned by a single ruler or by a small oligarchy. Then in the modern age, machines became more important than land. Politics became the struggle to control the machines. And dictatorship meant that too many of the machines became concentrated in the hands of the government or of a small elite. Now data is replacing both land and machines as the most important asset. Politics becomes the struggle to control the flows of data. And dictatorship now means that too much data is being concentrated in the hands of the government or of a small elite. The greatest danger that now faces liberal democracy is that the revolution in information technology will make dictatorships more efficient than democracies. The number one question that we face is who controls the data? The enemies 
of liberal democracy, they have a method. They hack our feelings, not our emails, not our bank accounts. They hack our feelings of fear and hate and vanity and then use these feelings to polarize and destroy democracy from within. This is actually a method that Silicon Valley pioneered in order to sell us products. But now the enemies of democracy are using this very method to sell us fear and hate and vanity. They cannot create these feelings out of nothing. So they get to know our own pre-existing weaknesses and then use them against us. You see what he just said? He said they're using fear to destroy liberal democracy. That's exactly what Daniel predicted. That is exceedingly dreadful and makes people afraid and it gets compliance out of that. Fear of not being, so what do the nations fear? Fear of not being part of the Build Back Better agenda. Fear of investors, if not ESG compliant. Fear of being isolated economically. Russia is the showcase for the World Economic Forum saying, look, we can shut you down economically. We'll just isolate you. Fear of being cut off from energy. Fear of woke religion. That's what all the countries are afraid from. That is coming from the beast system. I want you to watch this. Now, you got Sleepy Joe there, but I, what I want you to see is how fearful Macron is in this dilemma. Because I want you to see what he's afraid of. He is, all these world leaders are afraid of two things. They're afraid of the World Economic Forum. They're afraid of not being green and ESG compliant. But at the same time, they know they're having a problem with energy and they're afraid of the rebellion that's going to happen if they get cut off of energy. Now watch Macron talk about needing oil. Okay? You, you predicted it for a while. Excuse me. Sorry to interrupt you. Increasing the production of uh, the uh, So, I believe it told me two things. One, I'm at the maximum maximum what he claimed, and this is my complete commitment. Second, according to us, the, the Saudis can increase a little bit, but one or fifty or a little bit more, because they, they don't have huge capacities. At this stage, before six months time. The last one, the, la the, very, the very last point is about uh, what we do with the Russian oil. Oh, okay. You told me that was too much. Thank you. 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 Thank Okay, so the interpretation, I had a call with MBZ, that's the UA Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan. He told me two things. I'm at maximum, maximum production capacity. And he said the Saudis can increase by 150,000 barrels a day, maybe a little bit more. But they don't have huge capacities before six months' time. 
And what he is trying to get out of Biden is, would you please start drilling? Because we're going to have a major crisis in six months in France if we don't get enough oil. Because they've cut themselves off. Do you see the balance of fear that Macron has? He doesn't want to go against the ESG, the green dragon. And so what he does is, look, I, we, we're going to cut ourselves off, but I need oil. And so we're going to have to get it from the Saudis and the UAE or whoever. But they're at capacity now, too. He's freaking out because he's caught in the middle of something. And what he's afraid of primarily is offending the beast system. But for a guy to do that publicly and not indoors and knowing cameras around shows you the fear on Macron and France. They know the problem that's coming. So does Germany, all of them do. And the fear is coming from the beast. Notice what it says, with its teeth of iron, which devoured. So the idea is the beast system will consume countries. It eats them up. It takes over, is the idea. And the way the beast system is taking over is through the green dragon. The dragon is Satan, but he's green in this sense. The methodology is to save the planet. The whole thing is under the theme and umbrella of that. It's the green dragon. And that's a better term that we need to start using rather than, you know, trying to say, oh, global warming. No, this is the green dragon's idea to get the system implemented. Look what they're doing to farmers. Have you seen what they're doing to the Netherlands farmers? The Dutch farmers, they're told they can't uh, use uh, fertilizers. They can't, you know, so therefore their production goes down. Everything is turned, uh, they've turned the guns on the farmers, okay? That's a major problem. Look what happened to Shanghai, uh, not Shanghai, um, Sri Lanka. They told the farmers you cannot use synthetic fertilizers. And they lost the country because they're obeying the green dragon, Sri Lanka, this, this was on the World Economic Forum before they scrubbed it. Sri Lanka, this is how I will make my country rich by 2025. And it, it just, they took it off, and, but you can go to archives.org and pull things up like this. But here's the thing. What they were saying is we're going to become rich by following the World Economic Forum's Green Dragon agenda, the ESG agenda. And what happened to Sri Lanka they went broke. They rioted. The country fell. It collapsed because of following the World Economic Forum's advice. Guess what? The Biden administration is following the World Economic Forum green dragon. This is why we're having such an economic problem. It's the beast system being implemented through saving the planet. Sri Lanka followed the World Economic Forum prescription to have a green economy. They adopted the World, uh, World Economic Forum's economic policy. And you know what their economic policy is? A circular economy. What do you mean? What is a circular economy? You will own nothing and be happy. That's what they did to Sri Lanka. They, they developed a circular economy where you borrow things, you just rent things, but you never own anything. And it collapsed. 
It completely collapsed Sri Lanka. Again, not using fertilizer or pesticides. Look, it's insane. You can't tell third world countries not to use pesticides and fertilizer. They'll go to the starvation. You can't do that. Well, because they want to go organic. Look, I have no problem with organic. But when you're dealing with third world countries and there's pests and, 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 and fertilizer issues, you have to do that. It just is what it is. And you can go GMO all you want, but it's, it's going to make the third world countries starve. And that's what happened. They didn't want any of that. And it collapsed the country. Ghana. Look at, look at the ESG score of Ghana. They're following the World Economic Forum. This is coming from Tucker Carlson. He did the research on this. And he points out, look at the ESG score, 97.7. And what happened when with Ghana had its own resources, own energy, high food prices, prices, starvation, blackouts. Because they went off the grid to renewable energy, wind and solar. And got off oil and coal and gas and all that. Netherlands had the farmers cut all their nitrogen oxide emissions to save the environment. Their ESG score is 98.7. A perfect score is 100, right? What is it doing? Led to farmer riots. How about South Africa? They committed themselves to the World Economic Forum of Renewable Energy. Blackouts lasting eight hours. A crippled economy. France, ESG score, 92.6. Result, high energy, uh, uh, sorry, energy crisis, higher energy costs, yellow jacket riots. Britain, committed ESG score, 92.7. Result, 6 million households face power cuts this summer. Germany, 90, 90.2 ESG score, energy shortage, it's happening now. They're rationing hot water due to gas prices. Six million households face power cuts this summer, reconsidering its phase out of nuclear energy now. Because they're going to completely phase out nuclear energy because of the greenies. And now they're rethinking it. United States. Look at our ESG score. This is what Biden wants to raise. But let me, let me, do, uh, let me, let me connect the dot that Tucker Carlson connected. Did you notice the higher the ESG score for the country, the more the people suffer? Following the, dream, the green dragon makes people suffer. So we're in the middle. This is what they want to do in Washington to get our ESG score up. But you already know where it goes. It means more people suffering like we are now. Because they're trying to raise this ESG score. Some of the states, like including Florida, I, I was shocked to hear Florida has banned fertilizer, synthetic fertilizer. And now they're ending the underpricing of fossil fuels. You, let, let me retranslate that. They're going to make gasoline higher to get you off of it. Gas and food prices are all rising as they try to raise our ESG score. Unemployment rises. We're in a recession. I don't care what anyone says, we're in a recession. $30 trillion now in debt, and we're still printing off more money. The rent is soaring. Energy bills rising. 9.1 inflation. They just introduced the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Massive spending of $433 billion towards energy and climate change provisions. 
Are we insane? Yes, because we're serving the green dragon. It's nails of bronze which broke in pieces. Now, the interesting thing, about the characteristic that the angel is saying is that its claws are made of bronze. It has iron teeth, right, which devour. But it has bronze claws. It couldn't figure that out. Well, the, the, the explanation the angel gives, he says, the, the nails, the claws are used to break in pieces. Oh. So when you hear bronze... That refers to the, the, the previous empire, the Grecian empire, which is the bronze uh, middle of the metallic man. That's Greece. So what is it about Greece that's in the claws? The fastness of it, the quickness of Alexander the Great is seen in this system. Notice in the last two years how much things have accelerated and how fast they are. That is a remnant of Alexander the Great's influence in the beast system by the bronze. Okay? That's why you're not going to see things slow down. You're going to see things speed up like Alexander the Great took over the world. So the, 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 the claws are used to catch prey, hold it, so that it can divide its victim into pieces. The mouth devours, the claws break apart. They look, that's what he says, broke in pieces. Division. I will destroy your country through division. I will tear it apart with my claws. Are they doing that now to the United States and every country around the world? Yes, they are intentionally trying to divide us. How? Here are the topics they're using to divide us. The LGBT, the race baiting, economics, a false history, rewriting our history, saying we're a bunch of racists, right? You know that I was listening to someone that went to Monticello to see Thomas Jefferson's place and you know what the tour guide's doing now? They don't tell you about how wonderful Thomas Jefferson is. They tell you about his slaveholding. So when you go to Monticello, the whole trip is about him being a slave owner. Nothing about any good Thomas Jefferson did for our country. False history. Murdering babies is a division, a d- divisive thing. The whole Supreme Court thing is divisive. And it's wrong, obviously, what they're doing, but it's used to polarize people on the other side, right? Look at the mentality that we're dealing with. Read the sign. That is a, how they have divided us, where we have people in the United States that think like that. We're divided. We're in a pre-Civil War mentality with people. That's how it is. That comes from the beast with his claws. Entitlement. Do we have entitlement? How does that split the country? Because you've got a whole host of people that don't want to do anything, right? They, they, you know, universal basic income, 
We don't want to, uh, uh, to turn to the safety net, and it, or what did I say? Uh, Paul Ryan says, we don't want to turn the safety net into a hammock. It has turned into a hammock. No one wants to work. So we have a whole section of society that's entitled. Whereas the rest of us that are out there working saying, hey man, what's going on here? I'm working a lot. And my money in taxes is going to some guy in a hammock that won't work? Think about how that causes division. You get resentful of that. I am sick and tired of watching the homeless do nothing when they can go to the missions and get help and they refuse it and we give them money. That's insane. Well, Brandon, you're not being sympathetic. No, no, no. You don't understand. Most of them are on drugs. Most of them need to be in a mental institution. And the rest of them have checked out of society. I'm sorry. I have no compassion for that when I know there's not only government housing and government things uh, made for them and money and Christian organizations that can put them all in the mission. I have no sympathy for that. But what's happening? The homelessness is rampant because they're allowing that to cause division. They want you and them to be at odds. That's what's happening. Transgenderism, is that dividing our country? Yes, that's a tactic. Secularism, yes. BLM, Antifa, ESG scores. Or the die scores, diversity, inclusion, equity. Public schools are turning your kids against you. It's an indoctrination center. And I don't care what these teachers say. The proof is in the pudding of the, the last two generations that we're getting. These kids are out of their minds. They are ungodly. Look at the way they dress. They dress like the Gadarean that's in the cemetery that had demons in them. Look at, their, look, look at their hair. Look at everything. They're disheveled. What's happened to them? They respect no authority. They're entitled. They want it all. They think everything should be handed to them. This is the next generation that's going to start voting. You're cooked. You're cooked. And then they're dividing us on language. We don't even know what things mean anymore. Listen to her. I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. Do I need to be told that? I am a woman. She, her, I is my pronoun. And I'm sitting at a table. Are we at that point now? That's insane. What's, what's wrong with these people? How do you have a country with that mentality? Look at this. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? 
So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing them. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think women can <laughs> so get you're pregnant. denying that trans people exist. They and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, Absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, you, no, no, they're, they're told that to they're at opening up people to oh, violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet. You might learn a lot. Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned you, a lot just from this exchange. Absolutely. Extraordinary. Wow. Let me ask you this. How do we have a country with that mentality? That's a professor at Berkeley. Don't ever send your kids to Berkeley, okay? And she's teaching these kids that, right? An unreality. Again, how do you have a country with that type of mentality where we can't define what a woman is and that men can have babies? You can't. So my point is the beast system has already done its work in the United States of dividing America. I, I mean, I'm hearing talking heads all the time. We need to, we need to you know, divide, actually, because we can't get together. The country needs to be split. They're already saying this because of that mentality. But what I'm trying to tell you from a biblical standpoint, that's the clause of the beast tearing countries apart. Because what's the tactic? Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. What do you think immigration is about? Or legal immigration? It's to get people that in here that won't assimilate. And then we create a hodgepodge of people that have different values rather than American values. That's what that's for. And for voting for the Democrats. No doubt about that. But that's what this is about. It's to divide America. That's why the globalists don't want borders. Because they, they want nationalism to be destroyed. And they're turning our youth into this. I support the current thing. That's what our youth does. Right? I support the current thing. Whatever it is, that's what they've trained them. And that's called divis uh, divisiveness. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms. The difference between all other kingdoms, like I've mentioned before, is imperialism. Imperialism, which means other foreign entities will tell the United States what to do. That's what's happening now. They are telling the United States to cut oil, to cut natural gas, and go on to electric. That's what Gavin Newsom's here doing, guys. But when you have a lose-lose situation, like with climate change, it's much more difficult without some overarching authority, real authority. Now, how to get there and how would it look like, I don't know. Um, and certainly there is no obvious reason to think that it would look like Denmark or that it would be a democracy. Um, most likely it wouldn't. We don't have uh, workable democratic models for a global government. 
Um, so maybe it would look more like ancient China than like modern Denmark. Mm. But still, um, given the dangers that we are facing, I think the imperative of having some kind of real ability to force through difficult decisions on the global level is more important than almost anything else. Did you hear that? The ability to force through things is the most important thing beyond having a democracy, people voting on it, having representatives, or going through any legislature. The importance for them is to force the issues on people, whether you like it or not. We know, the elites say, we know what's best for you. You're nothing but a peon. You don't have any concept of what's going on. We're the smart ones that went to the Ivy Leagues, and we'll tell you what to do. So just shut up and listen to what we say. If we tell you to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If we tell you to get monkeypox vaccinated, get monkeypox. If we tell you to wear a mask, then wear a mask. Because you're too stupid to know what you're doing for yourself. That's their mentality, guys. But how do I apply this? I can tell you this. I'm having a hard time keeping my blood from not boiling. Okay? This all infuriates me. It infuriates me. But here's, someone sent me a rabbi... Uh, who was talking to his congregation, I think it was in Israel. And he made a statement, and I agree with it. He goes, look, man, he goes, we all, we all know that politicians are evil. We all know that there's these people that are evil trying to run the world. We all know that. That's not, that hasn't changed. That's always there. But what has changed? And he hit on a good point. What has changed is how stupid people have become to follow these people. What happened to people's minds that they follow anything that they're told and they do exactly what the government thinks? What happened? That's what's changed is the compliance by people to this. That's what's shocking to me. Okay, so based on that, I'm going to derive an application. Here's the thing. These people are spiritually asleep. That's what's happened. And you have a Romans 1 mindset working in them. Okay, so what's my job? What's your job to do? We can rail against the beast empire all we want. It's coming and it's here, okay? Our job is to wake these people up. Our job is is to speak truth into them, to rescue anyone we can by first telling them, you see this ESG score that our company's now using? Let me tell you where it comes from and let me tell you where it's going. That ability to connect dots spiritually for somebody helps wake them up. Now, you're not gonna wake up everybody, but it will give you the ability to wake people up and you'll be more effective if you can explain all this. And that's what prophecy is trying to tell us that I'm going to tell you what this means, what it looks like, so that you can take this and help your family, help your friends, help your co-workers, and tell them as a springboard to the gospel. That's what you have to do. You can't keep this information to yourself. You can't just keep it inside you. You have to tell. You have to go out and explain and connect dots. If you can do that, guys, then your reward will be great. 
because you're willing to risk your reputation, you're willing to risk everything that you stand for because they're going to say you're crazy. Okay? They're just going to but can you risk your reputation of having people think you're crazy in order to rescue those who will hear? I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it. So call me crazy. Call me a lunatic. But at least I'm doing what I'm called to do. And I hope that's for you too. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us for another lesson. We hope that this message is a blessing for you and helps you grow towards a more mature understanding of God's word. For more information about our ministry, we invite you to check out our website at rockharborchurch.net. Until next time, remember, keep looking up for our redemption draws near.